Welcome to Pint Glass Preachers, the show you didn't know you needed. Join us each week as we discuss things that matter. Greetings, fellow patrons to this fine establishment. You are listening to Pint Glass Preachers, and today we'll be discussing social media, the glut of information and pointless drivel that we find on it, and how we choose to engage. My name is Tom O'Neill, and joining me as always is Gabe Casper and Josh Woodrow. As you listen to this podcast, we want you to feel like you've joined us at the table or booth at your favorite pub. You've, you've just ordered a frosty pint, and we're already discussing things that matter. The only real difference is that we get to talk more than you do, which is great for us as we love the sound of our own voices. So let's get started. So guys, episode one, how we doing? Oh my gosh. What's so up, good. Tom? I'm actually very, very nervous. Um, I might have just urinated on myself. See, well, now you, now we've crossed that line two seconds in. That's good. That's good. So no one else is listening. Um, well, hey, should we just introduce ourselves? We can't really talk about that. No, we don't need to. We don't need to. Can I just introduce you guys? So these are my friends, uh, Josh. He and I were both pastors and church planters. Uh, I met Josh in Hebrew class in seminary, and I thought he was cool because he had a Hebrew tattoo on his arm, which meant that he had a past. Super oh, my good. gosh. Did you pass him a note then to see if you liked him or not? <laughs> we grabbed each other's inner thighs. It's very biblical. It's very biblical. Uh, and actually, my roommate that year thought Josh was the homeless man and offered to buy him a sandwich. Not so. once, but a few times. <laughs> So anyways, uh, I can't share how I met Tom because it involves coarse language. But Tom, My mom's listening to this. Yeah, but Tom wasn't smart enough to go to seminary, so he's just working a normal job. Hey, hey, Josh, remember when you worked 40 hours a week? Yeah, I remember my first part-time job too. I was going to say, that never, that's never happened. Still mm-hmm. doesn't happen. <laughs> So, so I just I just have a regular job sharing the gospel with children on a daily basis. That's that's just a regular job to you. It is. Yep, pretty much. Because you don't do it with an MDiv. <laughs> As a matter of fact, those of you listening can't see this, but sitting right behind me is said diploma. I just wanted to rub it in your face, Tom. Wow. It's in Latin, so I don't even know what it says. Well, if I had the time or proclivity to do it, I'd haul out my business card, which has the words president and CEO behind my name. So that is impressive. That That does sound nice. That does sound nice. Uh, Hey, go on. I was going to ask you, um, Jenny, my wife, made the most hilarious comment the other night when we were watching the Grammys. Do you guys see see Bieber's performance? I did see Bieber's performance. Okay. She, all of a sudden, my wife is very funny, by the way. She's probably never going to listen to this. But if you do, Jenny, I'm giving you a shout-out right now. Smart for her. Smart for yeah, her. Uh, seriously. But anyway, she said, oh, well, if Justin Bieber is going for the neighborhood junkie lick, he nailed it. Do you <laughs> see what it looks like with that dirty facial hair? And it was bad. It was so Dude, bad. But did you – there was some meme I saw where it said, uh, like, he looks like an Olive Garden waiter was basically <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. Dude, I liked his performance, though. Are I you mean, kidding me? Yeah, man. Skrillex. Okay. Dude, Skrillex, okay. Skrillex and Diplo up there could have been way cooler. All you saw was Bieber dancing around like a Russian fool. And let me show Hold on. I got to pull this up. Do it. It, Wait, it was so bad. While you're doing that, listen, Skrillex playing guitar, awesome. Brought me back to his days when he was sunny from, from first to last. That's what was up. Okay. Whatever you I say. I will tell you this, though. I'm over having more than one drummer in a performance. You're not playing anything different. Why are there two of you doing it? Well, that's ex- – okay, look. It would have just been way better. This is what this tweet said. It would have just been way better if Diplo and Skrillex were just on their computers, and I tend to agree. He's not really that entertaining. He's far more entertaining on his computer than he is playing guitar. Skrillex? Yes. Come on. Didn't it take you yep. back to like – And I think I, the second drummer was playing like timpanis or something. It yeah, wasn't it was even on, like he was on a kit. 
No. So Slipknot is totally off your radar because they might have like four or five drummers out there. See, but now Slipknot, here's the difference with them is they own it, bro. Like they own it. Like they know, yeah, we're absurd. We have way more people than we need and it's all about the show. And their shows are amazing. And they're the ones, the first ones to do it. Everyone else is like getting in. Like I just saw Brand New, who I love to death as a band. They had two drummers playing kits. It's terrible. Well, so we had our terrible performances, but uh, Kendrick Lamar killed it. Come on, so good, so good. The chick who did David Bowie, Lady Gaga. Oh, Lady Gaga. I try to ignore her and push her out of my mind on every possible occasion, but I was really undecided by the end of it because David Bowie was super weird, and so as an homage to David, uh, she did a pretty good job because she was super weird. But I don't know if it took it to the point where it's too weird. But that's the thing. She's super weird. It would have been a little different if somebody like Demi Lovato or somebody like that who is not normally like that would do it. It's just Lady Gaga taking it up a step. But see, that's what I'm saying. Like, did she make it so it went from, oh, this is a really great homage to David Bowie? Or did she take it to the point where it was like, this is so weird. I can barely watch this. Well, that's my thing. I feel like. I mean, no one could overshadow David Bowie, but like Lady Gaga's like so weird that I wish, I mean, and for me, I have a soft spot for Bowie because he's got like punk roots and was in that scene. And I just wish that would have been more expressed as opposed to like an uber pop icon who's a weirdo getting all the glory for it. I also think there, there's a little piece there about the fact that she did a really good and normal job of doing the national anthem at the Super Bowl. Like, even my mom was like, she did a great job. I mean, kind of, but she had a lot of weird hand motions. There was all, like, like you can't see his but you know. Blah, blah, blah. You know, she was, like, flickering her fingers a whole lot. It was, yeah, it was she, really it was strange. She was, but if that, like, if that's the extent of the weirdness from Lady Gaga, she wasn't wearing a meat dress, you know? That's, and listen, if, <laughs> if middle-aged women in northern Minnesota give you the thumbs up, you pass, man. Yeah, you've you hit pass. normal. You've, you've hit, hit normal. Me normal. Yeah. Mom now now owns all her albums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, she just dropped sixty bucks on iTunes. Way to go, mom. <laughs> Although I have to say, I for the most part though, it was pretty boring. The Grammys this year, it was fairly uneventful, and I found myself following my Twitter feed for entertainment more than I did getting entertained by the actual Grammys themselves. Like, of all the performances, I mean, The weekends. I mean, even Adele, like, they were just so low-key and yep. non-Grammy. That, I mean, that's part of the reason why I liked Kendrick Lamar's performance so much was because it was actually, like, a Grammy-worthy performance, you know? Taking it yep. on the stage, performing in front of those people live, you know? Like, that's what you expect out of the Grammys. Everyone else was so mellow that I was like, okay, I get the whole let's have an intimate, you know, kind of show vibe, but you're at the freaking Grammys. You got to blow it up. Well, and I think Kendrick, like what was so great about him was like, it showed his artistry. Like it validated him being there. Like, because I mean, I'll be honest, like I love good kid, mad city. I do not love to pimp a butterfly. Like when that came out, I was like, man, this is just him being a weirdo doing what he wants. Cause he can. But then when he performed, uh, black of the berry and, and all right, I like got it. Like, I don't know. For me, it was like something clicked. And, um, and I think it was just the performance, like the whole artistry behind it. Like it was such a powerful message without like being overly heavy handed either. I was just, it was, it was gold. Yeah. It was pretty solid. Tom, were you sleeping by the time the Grammys were, were on? I, you know, I had tucked my kids into bed. I had gone and had myself a a glass of seltzer water. And yes, I I was in bed because I am too old to enjoy music. Did you have Geritol? (laughs) I think we've we've already established that I stay up later than almost everybody on this planet. So that is true. Yeah. Well, uh, that which is which is odd, odd for an old man, but. We're glad you do it, Tom. You're We're like the you character. You're like Benjamin, the Benjamin Button of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just a couple years away here from uh, from never going to bed. So that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> then you're gonna like shrivel up like a little old man in a baby body, and and then do really pull the extra body. time you spend awake, you can invest in making this podcast worth listening to. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll see what I can do, but I can't okay. fix you or you. So. I know. That, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I need a beer. I need a beer so yeah. bad. Hey, so speaking of that, maybe we should head towards that time. Uh, Josh, what are you drinking today? So on a recent family vacation up to the greater Knoxville area, ran into this little ditty called the Black Horse Brewery Barnstormer Red Ale. So that's what I'm drinking. Drinking a Barnstormer Brewery Red Ale. It's all right. Uh, you know, I, I tend to expect a little bit more malt out of this red. This one's a bit – it's almost got the flavor profile of like a sour. Uh, not as malty as I would have enjoyed, but not bad. Very good. Very good. Tom, what do you what do you have today? Today I have a Bent Paddle Extra Special. Not just special, but extra special special amber ale comes from uh, near the Lake Superior area, and so their uh, their whole deal is average temperature for Lake Superior is 42 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, we serve our beer at 42 degrees Fahrenheit. Coincidence? We think not. Oh, nice. That's good. Well, uh, my brew today, gentlemen, uh, is a Lacroix water, uh, blackberry and cucumber flavored. Um, and sadness. Uh, my wife and I are in the midst of a Whole30 diet, which means I am not allowed any beer or dairy or wheat or joy. Um, so, so anyway, so I have a Lacroix, um, which is disgusting, by the way. It's pretty good, man. So I mean, you're basically LaCroix. our designated driver for this event. Here I'm the DD today. on this episode. Uh, All right. Exactly. Stay safe, kids. Stay safe. Well, I'm gonna gonna pour my glass, tap my can first. No one makes that noise. No one taps their can and makes that noise. Some people do. Oh, did you hear it open? I did hear it open, but no one does that. Listen to this pour. Sounds like someone pissing. Oh man. We're gonna, we need to, to put up if we need to put up a poll on Twitter, Facebook, asking how many people tap the top of their can before they open it. It's going to be one person, Gabe, it's going like to be over me. and over and over submitting to the poll. <laughs> That's like when your dirty grandpa used to like hit the bottom of the cigarette, you know, hit his cigarettes on his palm because yeah, he yeah. used to have to do that and no one does anymore. So you, you know pack. people who have been smoking for like 60 years because they got to pack their cigarettes? <laughs> it, it's true. That's it's what tapping the can is, Gabe. That's what tapping the can is. It's just like when I take my crystal meth and clink it around in a glass first. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. This got real. Okay. This got real. And ladies and gentlemen, you will never hear from Tom again. We are editing that out. My <laughs> parishioners are going to listen to this, Tom. <laughs> Kidding. I'm a man who uses the word parishioners. You can't talk like that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So what are we talking about today? Oh, it does sound good. It's not. <laughs> it does too. Yeah, but the problem is when I pour when I pour the beer out for the sound effect like that, I get about seventeen inches of of foamy head here, and I'm I'm not a fan. Well, do the nose trick. You know, you wipe the wax off your nose and then rub the foam on top, and it makes the foam disappear. That's disgusting. Kind of like drinking a Lacroix water. Kind of hey. like drinking Lacroix water. Mmm. Yay, Lacroix. Blackberry cucumber. Doesn't yeah, get so much better than that. So, so what are we talking about today? Okay, so we've titled this one "Unfollow." So, uh, for our new friends, like our hope, man, as uh, as the pint glass preachers, is to just talk about things that matter. Hopefully, in a way that's uh, thoughtful. Uh, but also lighthearted, uh, but really to, to try and grasp things. We're, we're all Christian dudes here. Uh, Josh and I uh, are, are pastors. Uh, yes, you've pointed that out. With master's degrees. Um, and Tom, what's your bachelor's in communication? Just like every NCAA athlete. Okay, so just real quick. No, wait, like, wait, wait, wait. I think I just alienated at least a third of the people who are going to be listening to this. <laughs> good, good. Um at any rate, but, but we just want to be able to engage our culture, talk about things that go on around us all the time, uh, hopefully in a thoughtful way. So today we're talking about unfollowing really just like the nature of social media and and its effect on us and our effect on it. And so can, do you guys mind if I just start like here's kind of what's what's been sitting on me and uh, would value your feedback. Uh, so lately I've been doing this thing uh, on Facebook. I 
and it, I'm ashamed at how long it took me to discover this, uh, but I've been unfollowing people forever. Like I don't ever want to unfriend anyone, you know, like I kind of want to be a nice guy, you know, I'm pastor, can't be too mean. Uh, plus when I make terrible podcasts, then I can blast this out to all those people and they have to at least acknowledge that I exist. Um, but I've been unfollowing people because especially with it being like political season, like so many people who like, I know in real life are like good people, like South, like in real life, I love talking with them to post the stupidest stuff, like the most awful crap about one political party or one candidate or one policy or whatever it is. And it just drives me up a wall and I'm sick of looking at it. And so if literally anyone posts anything I don't like, I just unfollow them. doesn't matter who it is. I just unfollow them if they post stuff I don't like. For, one, for one post, just one what? thing, unfollow I, yeah, them. No mercy, bro. No mercy. That's ridiculous. No, it's not. So basically you're unfollowing someone because they don't agree with you. Or they say something that you disagree with or that just annoys you. Yeah, well, here, let me just get this, like, at a deeper level, though, all right? Like – I hope so because this is incredibly superficial. No, 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 it's not. So let, let me – let's take this. Like, are, you go, um, are you going to unfollow me because I make some rude comment about the Packers? No, so exactly. That's well put because that's – and this is – oh, 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 you're right into the heart of the topic, Tom, because – that's a, a shallow issue, okay? So if you want to talk about a shallow issue in a shallow way, that's cool, man. I'm fine. You can, you can you know, give me a hard time about the greatest sports franchise in the history of the world all you want. I'll See, still follow it, you. It makes it seem like that's not as shallow as you make it out to be. <laughs> well, it's a sports franchise, so it is shallow, um, which maybe that's a whole other conversation about how deep that should go. But at any rate. That's, a, that's episode two. Yeah. Actually, I think it's three, but that's fine. Um, but – at any rate, like if it's a sh like, so that's my thing. Like, if you're going to provide shallow content, um, do it for a shallow topic. So shallow topics, you can have shallow content. But if it's a deep topic, it's if it's a profound, like if it's something like, you know, immigration or abortion or gun control, like these heavy topics that are are nuanced and debatable and and tricky, and you just put like the most simplistic answer out there that's not research that's just boring like i don't i don't want to see it because you're not thinking and i'd rather engage in dialogue with people than have to deal deep things on a medium that i don't think is built for deep things how but how well do you know them in real life because you started off this whole tirade saying <laughs> these are people i know they're good people i know them in real life yeah so I'm a real life person too, and the only things that I ever put up on social media, whether on a shallow or a deep talk topic, is pretty much what I believe or the point that I'm trying to make, even if it's a little exaggerated or whatever. So, do you, I mean, like, how well do you really know these people in real life that you're talking about? Because I would imagine that the stuff that they're putting up on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever about some of these deep topics like immigration is probably how they truly feel. And so if anything, yeah. I feel like the social media aspect is bringing to light really how they feel about issues that they might be too afraid because, you know, you're their friend, you're their pastor, you're just a cool guy, whatever, that they, would, that they wouldn't say to your face, but they would be willing to blast it out to millions. Of, you know, I don't know about millions, but at least hundreds of people on, on social media. Yeah, but think about like the language that's used. Like, so for example, I got a buddy who, and without revealing my political allegiances here, I got a buddy who's like you're voting a, for Trump. We already know that. You told okay, me last well, week. Well, that, that goes without saying. Uh, no, I have a buddy who's like a staunch libertarian, like hardcore, like and even a little conspiracy theorist with it. And um, and like in real life he and I will, will talk about stuff and like, I love it. And he'll kind of like joke around a little bit. He's like, yeah, I know I maybe get a little carried away sometimes. And, but like, this is really how I see things. And like, he helps me kind of see his perspective. He gives the nuance to what he's saying and, and I can kind of actually get his heart of the matter in it. But if, if all I see is his Facebook post that says, thanks, Obama, can't believe this happened. And it's just like this big tirade that's not based in anything other than some, you know, angry conservative journal online, like I, that I don't want my mind to think about him via his posts. I want my mind to think about him in who he is as a person in real life.
So, I mean, why do you think people do that, though? Because, I mean, I've seen the same thing. I mean, I've seen the same thing. You you know, you'll see people, you know, reposting or retweeting things that are the most outlandish. You know, they come, like, from the Onion. It's not even from the Washington Post or something. And then the second you (laughs) post something from – Well, yeah, which is basically – that's true. Uh, And, you know, and then you post something from, say, The Atlantic or, you know, I don't know, whatever, some reputable source, Uh and they'll just – They'll completely ignore it, but they'll repost almost like this TMZ kind of, you know, news coverage on legitimate issues. But I don't understand why you do that. I don't do that because I think it's dumb. But yep. then again, uh, you know, I'm I'm not really on social media as much as as other people. But when I read those things, it doesn't cause me to unfollow them. I just think to myself, what like what what exactly is going through your mind that you're gonna post something that perhaps you think it's provocative, but in reality, it's extremely offensive, short-sighted. And just naive. Well, I yep. think th- there's a difference between saying something provocative because you just want either you want a reaction, you want people to notice you, or something like that. But when you start, especially you know, in this political realm of, of things, you know, especially for a younger generation, your social media is like your go-to communication deal. Whereas the premise of our show, we're sitting around. We're sitting around a pub table here talking, right? And we should be able to say the things that we say on Facebook. But I think what Facebook and Twitter and Instagram does is it provides us with a buffer because if we're sitting at the table, I don't want to rile you up so much that you walk off or that we get angry at each other. But I still want to say some of those things. I might censor myself a little bit because I know that there's a couple people at the table who have some really strong feelings about abortion or or a really hot button topic, and I won't say that out loud for because I'm polite or because I don't know for any number of reasons. I don't want people raising their voices in the middle of a restaurant, but I'll do it on I'll do it on Facebook. And I'm not saying the whole issue. I mean, that's a huge irony because it's social media. And so you're basically willing to disregard all social mores online where you wouldn't do it in public, but you'll do it online. And that's that's where the disconnect is for me. I just don't get it. Like why, why would you fire off rants and stuff that you wouldn't say to someone's face, especially someone you have a relationship with? Like why, Gabe, would this person, you know, this dude that you hang out with, why would he you know, post all kinds of Obama rants online on Facebook but seems far more – you know, put to, I don't want to say put together, but far more reserved, you know, in conversations with you or perhaps even more, uh, you know, intelligent or well read about whatever he's saying. Like that's, that's what doesn't make sense to me. Well, it, and I think that's the thing that we, we need to delve into a little bit here because take it on so, something much more simple. I mean, people will post what they had for breakfast or they'll, they'll post, they'll post a video of, of literally them making, making a meal or, or doing something so inane that if I came up to you in the beginning of the workday, <laughs> hey, Josh, how you doing? Great. I had oatmeal for breakfast. Nobody right. cares. I, right. I, care, to... I care, Tom. I care about you that much. <laughs> but 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 why do why do we feel the need to post that? Uh, but no one cares even more on face on social media. Like when those people post things on Facebook that are just self-deprecating, you know, like sob stories. Please repost this if you like me because I had a horrible day. All this stuff is going on in my life, and I see more and more of that where people are literally – it just seems like they're dumping all of their garbage onto social media. I mean right. when I read that, I think to myself, this is the most pathetic thing I've ever read. What What are you trying to accomplish? But if someone were to come up to me and say, you know what, Josh? I had like a terrible day. I yeah. lost my job. My grandma died. Oh, and my cat ran away because Gabe scared it off. You I would be far more willing – to engage in a conversation with compassion uh, and, and you know let them cry on my shoulder or whatever because I'm like, yeah, that happens to all of us. But when I see that kind of crap on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, I'm like, why are you doing this? Do you want me to feel bad for you? Like should I click the like button because you want me well, to so, like something that shouldn't really be likable? So, so let me ask you this like because that I think gets to it. Okay, let, let me ask this, Pastor Josh. Um, like – Say for real, like, you know, as, as like as Christian dudes, we are called to love people. We're called to care about people. We're called to invest in people. Like, that's just the, the nature of what it is for us uh, to follow Jesus. Like, do I say because I think the way you're using this medium is stupid, I shouldn't care about your random sob story that you posted? 
Uh, yeah, to a certain degree. Actually, I think I would probably say that, yes, that's, that's okay to do. Because I think to myself, what, what are you feeding into? You know what I mean? I would, like, what, what would I be feeding into? How, am I supposed to then reach out? Because here's the other thing. And don't tell me you guys don't think about this sometimes, but Pastor Gabe, when you see someone put a big giant sob story on Facebook or something, and you see like the 40 other people say, oh my gosh, the Lord is good. We're praying for you. And they like throw scripture on it. Yeah. Is that genuine, you know, consolation? Is that genuine compassion and care? Or is that, oh, look at this. I'm going to, I'm going to puff myself up, make myself look like I'm, you know, the best friend the best pastor, the best Christian by responding to this, do they actually mean that? And that's what I'm saying. I think a lot of this is just some weird facade that that has certain motives and intent behind it that, that you just simply cannot discern or even convey online. Because if someone from my church posts, this is the worst day of my life, you know, yeah. I'm going to kill myself or something, I don't take them as seriously as if they were to tell me that face-to-face. I would say if they say they're going to kill themselves, you probably okay, should do yeah, something about right. that, Pastor Disclaimer, Jeff. if anyone okay. says they're going to kill themselves, okay. Good. talk to them Good. or report it to the necessary authorities. No, but I get what you're saying, but I'm not sure like it's that simple. Like, Can we just say – like, we, we don't know anyone's motives. I don't know everyone's motives. Like, yeah, do I have those suspicions when I see that? Absolutely. But do I also maybe recognize like this is our culture. This is the nature of how things work now. And maybe I'm just being backwards when I look at because I, I share a similar reaction to you. Like, I'm like, give me a break. But maybe I just am not caught up with like, this is how people are just going to communicate for the foreseeable future till, you know, the apocalypse. Well, let's l- look at it in a positive light, too. You just brought up this example. Someone's having a really bad day because their grandma just died or, or whatever. And you have a bunch of people posting things. And it, a lot of it is praying for you and Bible verses and things like that. Going back to my supposition that that people don't that 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 social media allows us to to say the things that we either wouldn't say out loud or are too scared to say or something like that. Maybe it also gives us the opportunity to say, I'm going to be a little bit more, a little bit more Christian here. I'm going to say things because this person I know is, is not a church going person. They, they don't know Jesus as their savior. So I'm going to take this opportunity to say something and slap a Bible verse on there that I hope they might actually look up and might actually do some good. Okay, there's a positive example of putting something out there that maybe I wouldn't have said if I was face-to-face with that person. But isn't that, like, disingenuous? Like, that that's my concern is to say, like, if you're not going to authentically do that in front of a person, I mean, it already just feels like a, a bait-and-switch thing there. It feels like not genuine care. It feels like... I don't want to do the hard work of loving people in real life, of caring for people in real life, because that's hard and it's messy and it's scary and I have to be vulnerable. And so, you know what, it's, I'm just going to put this Bible verse here and, and, and I did my nice thing and kind of walk away. Like there's a, well, that's, mean, exa- kind of- that's exactly what I'm saying. Disingenuous is a perfect word for it. That's exactly what I'm saying. When I, when I talk about whether it's a positive or negative thing that, that's posted, or I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is are we being genuine when we post things like I don't post things online um, that that would bait people into giving me unnecessary compassion, you know what I mean, or something like that. I'm not going to post, oh my gosh, I'm having a terrible day. I've been super depressed and, and having a lot of anxiety the last three days because I wouldn't say that to the thousand people that I know in my whole life in the first place, because what am I expecting back? Is it really going to one on the one hand, is it really going to make me feel better when Gabe responds back? Boy, Josh, really sorry to hear that man feel better. You know what I mean? Yeah. And on the other hand, what am I looking for in that? Do I believe that in 140 characters in a Facebook post in a meme that I can have some of that anxiety alleviated, that I can have uh, some of my sadness taken away. And if I believe that can happen, then that's where I think this is a far more serious issue than just, you know, hey, this is communication in our, in our culture today. We just kind of have to live with it because if we're thinking that we can somehow not only find fulfillment but also come actually care for one another, actually be compassionate through social media platforms, um, I mean I'd, I'd be a little bit worried that that – like where that actually will lead us to. 
But well, is that, if, oh, go ahead, Tom. If you're someone who wears your heart on your internet sleeve and mm-hmm. you post this stuff all the time, then getting 40 likes or getting 15 people or however many to respond to that is indeed going to make your day better. It is going to help you. Because you're willing to put it out there, that means that the feedback that you receive is equal to. And I I agree with your point. I think that's that's where our culture is, and maybe that's not good. Maybe it is. I don't know. My Let's bring my mom back into this. Like, if she's having a tough Whoa, day. Whoa, let's keep yeah. moms. Okay, yeah, Tom, that's hey. inappropriate. <laughs> Someone but, loves his mom. Okay, older generation. Like, they, they're going to pick up a telephone – and which is probably still corded to the wall and they are going to call their friend or their or something and meet them for coffee and they in order to feel better or the reason that they called is to have someone to lean on and then when they walk away from that coffee or someone coming over for lunch or whatever they do feel better this is just a more expedient way of doing it see i think tom's on to something there because that's like something i was thinking about too like there is a feeling of community that you do get like and a feeling of solidarity and that's why i think to be honest oftentimes people post these really like um you know like let's say i was crazy and actually did support donald trump like and if i posted something like he's awesome and i hate all other people uh everyone else that agrees with me is like high five me i'm not really changing anyone's mind but i'm finding the people that like are in solidarity with me i'm finding the people that that share my viewpoint and there's comfort in that there's there's community in that i just that's just interesting to me Okay. It's interesting. Fine. And I mean, obviously I think that goes to a definition of how, I mean, how do you define community then? If it's just, I don't even, I don't even know. I mean, that's a probably a different day and a different conversation because that's a existential and formal philosophical question to be answered. But you know, what is community? Cause if we want to go back to the olden days when phones were still connected to the wall and stuff, it, what community wasn't just simply calling up your friend and meeting for coffee, but people were, and society was finding community in much different ways than we do today. And so if social media and following people, making comments, all that kind of thing, if that is what community is today, then we'll see kind of how that shapes the future in terms of how we interact with each other, uh, both online and offline. But I just I think it's a little bit deeper than just simply saying, oh, well, that's we're just trying to find solidarity, and that's community, and that's what we all want. There's, I, th- I think there's something else to it. I just don't know if I can necessarily put my finger on it. See, this, yeah. this gets us down the road of we're making judgments now on what better community was. I just had this conversation with a room full of, of youth leaders the other day, and they were bemoaning the fact that their kids are so, to go back to the beginning of this conversation, like superficial with 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 their communication. And I said, whoa, hold on a second. I said, I look, I look at older people, and every time they, they do get together with people, they have to have 45 minutes of chit-chat small talk to catch up on where everybody's kids are and how the job's going and things like that. But for those of us who are on social media all the time, we don't need to do that. We, when, we're, when we are face-to-face, we can jump right into major topics because I already know all this. I know that your kid got sick last night with pink eye or whatever because we are on social media and you decided to tweet that out. And yeah, I really don't care that your kids have kid has pink eye but i know and so we we have a the, a a community and whether you think it's more superficial than or you know an older generation thinks that this is more superficial well i think their community was cumbersome and clunky that's because you're old it, tom that's because you're old but isn't that like the nature of community is to be cumbersome and clunky like i think i think that's the thing so actually let me just – dude, this is amazing. I'm going to sound real smart. I have a, I have a quote from Zygmunt Bauman, uh, who's a, a sociologist from Poland, uh, and he's talking about social media, and he says this. The question of identity has changed from being something you are born with to a task. You have to create your own community, but communities aren't created, and you either have one or you don't. What the social networks can create is a substitute. The difference between a community and a network is that you belong to a community, but a network belongs to you. You feel in control. You can add friends if you wish. You can delete them with if you wish. You are in control of the important people to whom you relate. People Which is exactly little... why you unfollow people. 
Exactly. No, that is right. So back to that, like that is why I do it because I'm in control. And so to me, but we do that. We do that in our own real community. The thing that he's talking about there is because I, I am constantly trying to shape my community. I don't want to hang out with my neighbor across the street who is completely a complete dumpster fire of a human individual. That's you know? not very nice, Tom. That is not yeah. very nice. And Derek, if you're listening to this, I'm, it's not you. He's uh, going to unfollow you. That's what's going to happen, Tom. <laughs> That's... But, but, but we do that. We, we you know, go to how we pick our spouses. We go and we weed out the people that we don't want to hang out with and the ones that we do. And eventually someone comes to the top and that's the person that we end up kind of going forward with. And then we end up marrying them. You know, we do try to shape our community that we are given, that we are born into. We, it's but the restaurant sort of thing to go to. Is there not something to the cumbersome nature of doing that and the, the actual human cost of doing that? Because that's the thing, like, I can post, I'm not going to, but I could post a racist rant on Facebook. The worst thing that's going to happen is Facebook's going to delete that post. And you might get a few people to unfollow you. And I may get a few people to unfollow me, right? I do that in real life. The worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to lose friends. I could get arrested. I mean, like, it, depending how bad it is, I suppose. But you know what I mean? Like, there's the lack of cons- consequence, the lack of cumbersomeness gets forces the online community to inherently be more shallow. Anyways, listen, we're all geniuses. But let's talk to someone who's even smarter than we could imagine. We have a guest with us today. Uh, We are so excited to have him. Um, His name is Tanner Olson, uh, but his millions of fans out there uh, will know him better as Written to Speak. Uh, He is a spoken word poet, speaker, and writer. Uh, In 2013, Tanner, originally from the rough streets of Oviedo, Florida, yeah, yeah, uh, has spent some time living in the north woods of Wisconsin and now resides in Nashville. But in 2013, he launched Written to Speak. Uh, and since its birth, he has released one spoken word album called Honest Thoughts. He's releasing his second album this March 2016. He's read in coffee shops, universities. He's read with me at a juvenile justice center in Williamson County, Texas. It was pretty awesome. Um, and he's going to be uh, on tour soon, right? I, I don't have that in your bio, but Maybe. you're going on tour soon. Yeah. I'm telling you now. Um, I'm going on tour now. That's yeah. Perfect. Coming to Austin. Uh, but most notably, perhaps for Tanner, and really I think one of the big reasons we want to have him on is he uh, he utilizes social media a ton. He blogs. He vlogs. He Instagrams. He tweets. He probably does a bunch of other stuff that I don't even do. You Snapchat? That's the kids Snapchat, are doing. Yeah. Are you yeah. LinkedIn, Tanner? Are you LinkedIn? I, I linked it at least once a month. Okay. What about MySpace? Are you on MySpace? I forgot my password. I've tried to log in so many times, and I can't. I can't figure it out. Dude, yeah, it's probably the same crazy. password as Napster. But but I think for me, man, one of the biggest things with us having Tanner on today is uh, he did a video. Uh, perhaps some of you have seen it. If you haven't, I encourage you to check it out uh, with an organization called Triple X Church. Uh, and the video is called Lust in Translation. Uh, which is a video, I mean, if I can just uh, spill it out there, Tanner, maybe we'll get to this in a second, but it's basically about like you and porn, right? Yeah, yeah. And you just sort of drop that for the whole world to see. Yeah. Okay. Okay, So first of all, though, let me say this. Welcome. We are so glad to have you. Hey, Tanner. Welcome. Hey, nice nice to meet you, Josh. Nice to meet you too, man. I like your hoodie. Tanner, I I need to bring something up here very quick. Uh, In his intro there, Gabe, I... made mention of the fact that you are one smart individual and smarter than us and and all this kind of stuff now at the beginning of this show gabe uh and josh made it quite clear that because they have a masters of divinity uh and are pastors and wear clerical collars they are so much better than me with my with my puny four-year degree um despite the fact that i have some pretty impressive credentials uh behind my name um how many years of college did you uh did you complete just the four, barely. Okay, okay, interesting, interesting. Um, you're four years and smarter than all of us. I'm four years and can barely tie my shoes, apparently. So. Well, Tom, that's because Tanner went to Concordia University, Wisconsin, home of the Falcons. <laughs> I, it, oh, my gosh. Congratula- so congratulations. You, you paid awesome. more for your education than everybody else. <laughs> hey, 
hey, we were go, on Lake li- Michigan. Going to school or living in Wisconsin for any period of time is punishment. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to say those were the formative years of Tanner's writing and speaking skills because he came through that refining fire of hell in order to now live in the beautiful state of Tennessee. You're very hard. Yeah. As we try to launch this this podcast, I've already already alienated all NCAA athletes. And being that a big network uh, for Gabe and I is in Wisconsin, we just eliminated all of those people from listening to this podcast. Totally further, worth so. it. Totally worth Thanks, it, Josh. We're down to the four people in Chattanooga that know you, Josh. So awesome. Uh, it's and our moms. Three. Not even four people know me. And, and our moms. That's and right. our moms. Although your mom's probably gone by now, Tom. We have talked about <laughs> her a lot today. <laughs> sorry, mom. Love you. Okay, Tanner, man, sorry. We want to talk to you about life. Um, so first of all, can you tell us, maybe let's just start with a little bit more about who you are. Like what, what drove you to do Written to Speak? Uh, how'd you get into the spoken word game? Like where, where'd that come from for you? Yeah. Uh, so growing up, I was always interested in, in words and poetry and, uh, I loved, I loved music, but I can't sing. I'm terrible at guitar. And so being in a band or being a musician really wasn't for me. Um, so I can remember like in seventh grade, I had a crush on a girl. So I would like, you know, write, write a poem like, uh, your hair is like silk, the color of chocolate milk. And then it just kind of evolved from there. And I just kept writing and doing different stuff. And you're then, like Russell Wilson. Yeah. You know, here I am all-star quarterback sports. Um, but uh, yeah. And then, so in sports. 2012, I graduated, got a job out of college and then they fired me. Uh, mm-hmm. So I fired for, like my first full-time job. And that was like, um, that was a pretty big uh, shot in the chest. And so then I decided I'm just going to, I'm going to create something. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do what I want to do. And so um, I created something called written to speak and started uh, writing, um, writing different poetry and and then decided to launch a Kickstarter, created an album, and then just said, I'm doing this and kind of just kind of evolved from there. And um, I shared it with a lot of people Uh, have been very annoying. I would say probably very annoying on social media about stuff um, pushing it out there and, and trying to not, not get recognized, but trying to share it. Because when you create something that you're proud of, or when you create something that you believe can help people, you want to get it out there. But at the same time, it comes across as annoying. Um, well, so so hey, let's, like, yeah. let's talk about that. Like, is it annoying? Like, is that, is that, I mean, in your eyes, do you, do you feel like you're annoying people when you do it? Cause let me put it this way. Like, I love the stuff you do. I love your work. Um, and, you know, I remember first time I listened to Honest Thoughts, you know, crying in my car. It was, it was just great. And, uh, and I celebrate so much of what you do. And so to me, it's not annoying. And I'm like, man, I'm so grateful Tanner pushes this stuff out all the time. But do you feel like, man, I'm overutilizing this stuff. I'm bugging my friends. I'm bugging my family. Like, what's that process like for you? Before you answer that, isn't that the point of our conversation, though, to start this, Gabe, is that you love him, so you're not going to unfollow him, but somebody else might find him completely annoying and unfollow him, but he's got well, good stuff to say. Well, you I'll just say that agree with it. the content of artists and, and you know novelists or whoever pushing out their albums or their books or their publications, for me, that's far less annoying. Like, I wouldn't be annoyed by that at all, actually, but I'm more annoyed when people want to vomit on social media. When they want to rant about nothing that really matters exactly exactly like i could really or, care less or or rant about something that really does matter politics or things like that but just in a completely hateful racist uninformed way yeah i think as i think as an artist um and that's something new that i'm starting to call myself is like an artist but like when you when you create something you want to share it and you want to get it out there but for me i have this thing where i feel like i'm just constantly throwing things at people and pushing it on them, even though I believe in it. And even though I think it's right. Um, but this, I all, this all might stem back to like my fear of knocking on doors, you know, like I don't want to knock yeah. on some door and invite myself in. Like I want people to, um, to ask for it, uh, mm-hmm. or to, you know, like if we're talking about social media, I want a reaction. I want somebody to like it or retweet it or to comment on it or to share it. Um, I was talking with, with a friend of the day and he asked how things are going with written to speak. And I said, you know, they're, they're going good. And he goes, well, what, you know, you know, what's your goal for it? And so I told him, I just, you know, I wanted to share with as much people as many, as many people as possible, but I can't do that by myself. Like with social media and with, with being an artist, you need the help of other people. Like you need the help of your followers to reach more people. Um, does that make sense? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot. Well, and I, so let me let me ask kind of like as a, a follow up to that, because I I think one of the things, you know, obviously, as, as you even have in I've seen in some of your bios and obviously the name of your first album is called Honest Thoughts, like honesty, vulnerability is is super, super important to you. Um, yeah. And and I think that's good. Let me ask, like, let's let's maybe just talk about lust in translation. This video you made with Triple X Church, like, what what was that like releasing a video that's so vulnerable? It's talking about such a delicate subject that I mean, no one wants to talk about that, but you're like just out there with it. What was what was that like? It was it was a really weird time because I had really no idea what it was going to do, and. Um, so when, when they contacted me and said, hey, let's make a video for this, I was excited because I had an opportunity to share something that I wrote and that I created. And it just happened to be one of the most personal things I've ever written. Um, and so I didn't initially say yes right away. I took time to think about it. Um, but I, I thought, you know, the worst that could, that could happen is somebody could, could think ill of me. Yeah. So the worst that could happen is that, that somebody would say you're, you're a pervert, pervert or you're a creep or whatever. Um, but when we look at statistics, when we look at numbers, when we talk to each other about the things that we struggle with, especially as guys, um, you know, 99% of the time a guy says, yeah, I struggle with looking at porn or I've looked at porn or something I struggle with is lust. And right. if I have to be the person who brings up the topic or sacrifice myself for the good of somebody else so that they can get help or so they can get freedom or so that they can say me too, like I'm, I'm willing to do that. Um, and it's Did not like mean- a thing for me to, you know, like for my, my girlfriend's mom to see the video, you know, like that's kind of, that's kind of weird. Um, dude, did she, oh, she, she did introduction, man. Here he is. Um, yes. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw you in that video about how you look at porn. Yeah. Or like for when, when my mom watched it and it was like, Oh, I'm glad you liked it. Like <laughs> under, your, under your roof is where all this began, you know, like, <laughs> Um, but it's, but it's one of those things where, uh, because, because of this video, I've gotten to have so many conversations with so many different people and like actually have gotten to see healing happen. I mean, I've even talked to, uh, I've even read like this poem, uh, for a ladies group, uh, for an LWML convention, yeah. I read ladies and the number of them that came up to me afterwards and thanked me was incredible. Um, and so like, so I, when the poem came out, I was nervous. Wait, real quick. Can we go back to that? Yeah, you yeah, read yeah. this at an LWML retreat. And for That's our listeners, Lutheran Women's of- Missionary League. Yeah, yeah, Lutheran Women's Missionary League, a bunch of, you know, 55 to 85-year-old women. 90s. There was there's ninety three girls. Ladies there. in the 90s. Yes. And I'm and I'm yelling things about porn. Not yelling, but quickly talking. <laughs> Good. Wait, and they they liked it. They did. They did because, and I think that the reason is is because people connect with honesty and they connect with vulnerability. It's it might be awkward when, when you're hearing somebody spill their heart or, or say something, but it it connects to everybody uh, because there's an honest string inside of all of us. And, and if you can connect with that and reach them with that, like that's going to change things. That's going to shape things in a different direction. Um, and so it, it doesn't matter if it's a 90 year old woman or a 15 year old guy, like, um, talking about things in, in an honest way or talking about a vulnerable subject, like that's going to open up doors and allow them to say, Hey, I can be honest too. And I can say what I struggle with. I can say what I'm going through. Um, yeah. okay. Well, let me, so let me ask you a quick, let me ask you a question real quick about that, because I think this goes back before you, uh, got on Tanner. I think this goes back to something we were talking about <clears throat> in terms of just like this kind of you know, relational vomit that, that happens a lot on social media, because I totally agree. And I wonder if there's this, because of our fear of vulnerability and, and honesty, like if, if someone were to go say on Facebook or on Twitter and just say, I'm addicted to porn, you know, whatever you, you could, we could all imagine what kinds of reactions there would be, but I don't want to say under the guise as if it's deceptive, but under the guise of, um, you know, a, a very, you know, a crafted poem or spoken word or, you know, lyric in a hip hop song or, you know, a ballad in some country, you know, country guitar or whatever. Like to me that, that takes it from disingenuous and almost fishing for something to this is really what I'm trying to communicate. And for me, I think like, what would it take 
or what holds people back uh, online from having that same type of vulnerability, openness, and honesty. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like there's this disconnect there where we can, if you were just to post that poem online, that'd be way different than someone just posting something, you know, about their life, a, a personal thing about their life. Why though? To me, that seems like a double standard because if, if I, what you're saying is if I post that, that just out there, Hey guys, I've been struggling with, with, with pornography and a bunch of people put on there, hey, man, praying for you and all this and Bible verses, that's being disingenuous. It's it's social media vomit and we want to unfollow. But if Tanner here, who is an artist, puts it in the form of a poem and puts it on, mm-hmm. then you're going to share it with all your friends because you love it. Well, that's what I'm saying, because if I'm not if I'm not willing to be that raw and open and honest myself – I'm able to still convey perhaps those secrets inside of me, the things that I'm trying to hide, or even the things I'm trying to communicate through someone else's artistry. And that, I I would just say in general, that's appreciated by far more people than social media vomit. Sure, but but, so what, where's the, where's the line though? I mean, sure, I'm addicted to pornography. That, that, that's a huge thing. And then next step back is my grandma died, and next step back is I'm having a crappy day, and next step back is I had oatmeal for breakfast. Like, where's the where's the where's the vomit line there? I don't know. I don't have a line. You're just Gosh. gonna unfollow it. I'm just gonna unfollow whoever it is. It doesn't matter who. Yep. I think as far as like responses go to the way things are posted, it kind of depends on. Um, like how it's presented. Um, I know like, I mean, we can make fun of social media all day for like the people that, that post pictures of their coffee. And I've done that too. Um, but there's like, there uh, one picture of a, of a, of a coffee mug is going to get a certain amount of likes compared to another one, depending on how the picture looks like from the angle, from the view, from the artistic standpoint of just taking a picture of it. So if you post, you know, like in a Facebook status, I struggle with porn you're going to get a different kind of response from a different kind of people rather than if you create a spoken word video about it and, and shoot a video for it. You know, you're going to get two different kinds of responses based upon how it's presented um, well, and also coming from the probably the person and the followers as well. Tanner, go back then to what you were talking about in the beginning of how you were pushing. You feel like you're pushing stuff on people sometimes. Uh, now, when you put when you push out a new vid uh, a new video or a new poem or something like that, that's something very different. And like, yeah, I'm going to click on that. I'm going to watch that. Um, but then, as you're trying to build your brand, as you're trying to gain followers, you know, how much do you find yourself doing something along the lines of posting a, a thing of a, a picture of a coffee cup so that you you get a certain subset of people, you maybe hook them in with that, and then you hit them with how much you are addicted to porn or whatever, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now that you've looked at my coffee. Oh, <laughs> uh, the social media, it's, it, I think it's a game. Like, honestly, I believe it's a, a game. If you want to gain followers, you have to have a strategy. You have to do different, do different things. Like you have to, you know, you have to have things scheduled. You have to be thinking ahead. Um, and it's hard. It's, it's a game because like, if you, um, I, I've noticed this, like if I post a picture of, um, let's say like a sunset, like I might lose followers because that doesn't coincide with everything else that I've posted in the last two months. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a weird, it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre world. Um, and I think it's, it's difficult for anybody to remain themselves on social media without trying to, to change or make themselves look different or look better in hopes to gain followers or to reach more people. I think you're right, man. Like I, and and I think that transcends even like because in in some sense I, I think I'm probably say like you're a professional user of social media like part of your income part of your livelihood comes from what you do as a spoken word artist and then that's driven largely by building a fan base through an online presence right and so in one sense as a um, professional like you got to play the game and it. I, I would think. What does that mean, though, for like the personal life, for personal people? Like, are we all playing the game too? Is it a, like, should we all just be playing the game, or do we need to just be real and honest all the time with what's on social media, or is it really like there's a select group of people 
that really know what's going on? I don't, man, I don't know how to answer that. I think it, it depends on who you are and, and, and what you believe in. Um, because I mean, there, there are people who will just post pictures of whatever and, and do whatever and not think once or twice about it. And there's some people who will spend hours, you know, taking a picture, crafting it the way they wanted to, and then, and then creating a write-up for it. Um, because they want to present, they want to present themselves, um, or they want want people to believe that they are this kind of person instead of this kind of person. Mm -hmm. I think we do some of the same thing. Right? I'm a I'm a shorts and t-shirt kind of guy, but when I go out in public, I'm gonna put on, you know, I'm gonna put on my better shirt, and I might put pants on. You know, yeah, I hope you put on. pants on, Tom. Yeah. I want to present myself a little differently, even though real me is shorts and t-shirt, you know? Yeah. Yep. I like it. I like it. But I think with, like, with all of this, so I think like we have an opportunity to do something good with social media and like we have an opportunity to present, um, to present what's true and present what's right and, and give an opportunity to help people with it. So like, I mean, as, as far as like, I'm a big fan of it. I use it more than I probably should. But at the same time, like, I hope that I'm using it in a way that's um, impactful and inspirational and not just fluff. Well, and so Tanner, that's like, that's, you know, part of this show for us. And ironically enough, you best believe we'll be promoting this show through social media um, is, you, you know, we're, we're all Christian dudes and uh, you also are, are a Christian Um and and that's one of those things is we want to engage our culture thoughtfully. We want to engage it well. And and I think that's part of this this question for us. So so for you, how's how does that shape your approach? Like as a guy who's like, you know, you're using social media, you're you're a Christian dude, you're writing these poems, like how does that how does that shape your approach to the world? What about your faith, I guess, kind of frames what you do? Um, I think, uh, well, for me or, or for us, I think it, our driving force is, is Jesus, and we want to we want to share Him, and we want to be um, we want to represent Him well, right? So the things that I post, like, I, it all circulates and comes back to Jesus in one way or another. Whether that's me typing His name out or saying His name out loud, um, but I want to talk about I want to talk about hope. You know, I want to talk about love. I want to talk about joy. I want to talk about the things that we that we've learned from the Lord and the things that that come from him. Um, so when it comes to social media, it's like, how can I do something good not to make myself look better, but how can I reach the people that are following me and, and give them a message that's going to be helpful? Um, Cause our words can do as much good as they can bad. And, and just with, just like social media, we can do as much good with it or we can do bad with it. Um, and I want to use it for good. I want to use it for the building up of other people and, and for pointing them towards hope and towards light and, and, and pulling them away from darkness. Awesome. Awesome. That's really cool. Tom, Josh, you got anything for a good friend, Tanner? Tanner, it's good hearing your voice, man. Yeah, good, to meet, you. good to meet you, Tanner. Yeah, come to Nashville. Let's hang Honestly, out. You guys are neighbors. Yep, that's going to happen. How far away is Nashville from Chattanooga? Two hours. Oh, okay. And actually, I get an hour going his way, but he loses one coming mine. So I'll come visit you, Tanner. Sounds good. I'll be Perfect. here. Perfect. Oh, Tanner, one thing that we forgot to ask you on the front end. My yeah. fault. I jumped into it. All right. Uh, what what are what are you drinking right now? It looks like whiskey in a coffee mug. It was water. I can't lie to you. Uh, oh man. I, I do. I mean, our listeners won't know this, but we are on video chat on a Google Hangout, and I do see a PBR in the background there. That's that's my roommate's. That's not mine. Uh, but I would proudly support <laughs> it. I, I do love the Pat's Blue Ribbon Boys. I will not lie about that. Um, but uh, recently, have you guys heard of the beer Citradelic? It's from New Belgium. It's an IPA. Ooh, haven't had it. We do love New Belgium, though, just on principle. Hop and notch. IPAs. Hop notch. So, Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe if we say PBR or uh, New Belgium enough times during this podcast, they'll want to sponsor us. So. Oh my gosh. We Very likely. <laughs> we could only hope. That would be great. Uh, well, Tanner, thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, it was awesome. Thanks for letting me be your your first guest. I hope yeah. I get to come back. Whoa. 
Oh, you will. We're planning we'll on talk, being, being a we'll real regular. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Oh. Hopefully they won't shame you or ruin your reputation on social media, Tanner. Real quick, oh, speaking of your do. reputation on social media, will you – do you want to plug yourself? Where can people find you? Uh, we're going to have such a massive audience listening to this. Like, so where, where can they find you? Hi, Mom. Yeah. Mom, Josh's mom. <laughs> to all my, uh, my followers, Mom and Dad. Uh, yeah, you guys can check out writtentospeak.com or uh, facebook.com slash writtentospeak. Um, and then everything else is at Tanner J. Olson. Um, so just type that in. Uh, I have weekly blogs and I've started to vlog, which is a weird thing in itself. But I have a new album coming out in a couple of weeks. And so I hope to get that out to you guys, new merch as well. So things are going to start to happen pretty soon. So follow along and, and hopefully I can come do a show for you in your house or your backyard or your church or, or whatever. Um, I'll be around. Love it, Tanner. To Austin. Love it. Sometime. I'm coming to Austin. Yeah, you are. Staying at my house. Mm-hmm. Yay. Good. Awesome. All right, man. Thanks so much for being here. We love you dearly. You have made us sound so much more intelligent than we are. True that. Cool. All right, guys. Well, I'll talk to you later. Thanks for having me on the show. You bet, man. Thanks, later, Tanner. See you. Yay. What what's the hot take? What's our quick reaction to Tanner? Man, I will tell you this, and he's challenged me a little bit because I really do always view social media as a shallow medium. But then I guess I just never really thought about it. Like he engages it in such a thoughtful way that it's hard to say that that's all it is and that's all it can be. So I guess I would say I think Generally, it's a shallow medium, but I think there is a way to engage it uh, thoughtfully, and I think that's worth striving for. Is kind of, I guess, that's my takeaway from him. I would say also that to once again return us to the very beginning, we were talking about motives and how we we admitted that we can't, we don't know people's motives of why they're posting things, but I think that we make assumptions um, on certain people. Like we make assumptions that either Kim Kardashian or Tanner Olson, the reason that they're promoting everything on social media is because they have a brand to promote, uh, an album to promote, you know, their artistry to promote. Um, and so we can clearly discern their motives. And so we're pretty much okay with anything they want to put out. You know what I mean? Whether it is, I had oatmeal for breakfast or this is the greatest album of all time. You know what I mean? But for the common person, for people like us who were not promoting anything in particular, it's a lot more difficult to discern those motives. And I think that's what brings in the question, like, why would you post that? Or, why does that matter to me? Or I just don't care. I'm going to unfollow you because my name's Gabe Casper. Yeah. You know, the thing, the thing, as we've gone through this conversation and, and, and hearing Tanner, I think I, I'm separating out the outliers, the absolute nut jobs and the people who have a brand to promote. So let's talk about everybody in the middle. And the more and more we talk about this, I see more and more similarities um, between what I do in real life and what I post on on social media, and I see those same similarities with with other people. Whether it's you know the example of I dress it up a little bit more when I go out, or you know, so I'm willing to say this here, I'm willing to say this there, um, I'm willing to be more real here, but not real here. I, I'm seeing more similarities in that way, but. Who knows? I'm I'm still gonna check my Facebook and Twitter, eighteen times a day. So, for sure, for sure. Hey, you know what we should do? What should we do, Gabe? Well, for the expediency of moving this show along. Come on, for those who haven't fallen asleep, I'll tell you. Uh, here's what we should do: we should encourage people to become regulars at the bar, and what that means is they buy another round. And how can you do that? You go to pintglasspreachers.com, sign up for our email list, uh, and uh, we'll fill you in on the details on what it looks like from there. Uh, also, you can check us out on Twitter, at pintglasspreach, and on our Facebook page, like us, uh, facebook.com slash pintglasspreachers. Uh, if you like what you hear, like what we're doing, spread the word via social media. And this episode, as soon as we are finished wrapping it up, will be available on iTunes and SoundCloud, as well as on our website, pinecostfeatures.com. Come on.
We've already given the shout out to uh, Written to Speak. Uh, Gabe, Josh, give us a quick 15 seconds on your own ministries. Josh, go. Oh, uh, we're an urban mission, bridgecitycommunity.com. Check it out. We are the greatest church in the history of the world, axechurchleander.com. Check it out. Okay, you copied me. You can't just do that. I did not. I said we're the greatest church in the history of the world. You, you copied the that. outro. You copied the outro. Well, I copied the outro. but I'm unfollowing you. Unfollowed. I just unfollowed you. Dang it. Well, I just run a national youth ministry organization called Youth Encounter. Uh, you know, spreading the gospel with thousands <clears throat> and millions of youth around the world. So that's all I'm doing with my four-year degree. So you can check us out at youthencounter.org. Thanks, Tom. All right. Hey, next week, I believe we're talking about film and uh, how we engage that intelligently or not so intelligently, but thoughtfully, perhaps. Are we talking about the film that we put in our old timey cameras? No, Tom. We're talking about movie film, cinema. Hooray. This is just an excuse for us to talk about Star Wars for, two, for an hour. Oh, let's hope so. Maybe that show will be interesting. Thank goodness for editing. <laughs>